Grace and peace to you, beloved. My name is Amy Wilson Feltz, and I am the pastor here at Morningstar. The last time I came to you in this format, my family and I had COVID, so I'm grateful to report that that is not the case this time. A situation has arisen, however, that requires my attention, and it precludes me from being with you this morning. So I am grateful for the staff and for their willingness to make sure that things go on as usual on a Sunday morning. And I'm grateful for the technology that allows me to connect with you in this way. And I'm grateful for the love and the support that my family has from all of you. And I would ask that you would give us some space as we are sorting through some things together. So I invite you now as we move into the message portion of our worship together to take a deep breath and to let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I had the privilege of living next door to my grandparents for most of my childhood. Now, when you live in the country, the term next door is often a generous one. While their house was the closest one to ours, it did take a few minutes while walking to move from one to the other. And because my siblings and I frequently visited my grandparents in the afternoons and on the weekends and in the summer, the path, the dirt path between our houses was well-worn. One spring day, I walked along the path and noticed beautiful, colorful irises blooming among the grass. They made a stark contrast against the mesquite trees and the cacti. And when I later asked my dad about the irises, he said, those are my grandmother's irises. I was a bit confused because I knew that my great-grandmother had died before I was born. My dad explained that his grandmother's house had stood near that spot on the path and that she had grown irises in her flower bed every spring. They still bloomed year after year, decades after her death. Even today, several additional decades later, I feel so grateful to my dad for making that connection for me. The truth is, despite the 24-7 reality of today's world, much of our experience in this society is one of disconnection. I honestly think that's why we spend so much time on our phones and on our tablets. We crave connection. Look at what disconnection has done to our churches. We could blame COVID-19, and we often do, but I contend that if we really had been connected with one another truly through Jesus the Christ before the pandemic hit, then we would not be seeing such a dramatic reduction in attendance and participation in the churches of the United States. What I'm saying here is that the pandemic was an apocalyptic event 
in the truest sense of the word. If you were to look up the word apocalypse in the dictionary, you would find a reference to the biblical book of Revelation and the complete and final destruction of the world. In our day and time, apocalypse has come to describe destruction or damage on a catastrophic scale. But the word literally means to reveal or to uncover. An apocalypse reveals or uncovers whatever it is that is lying below the surface. The pandemic has revealed to us some deep troubles in our society that were always lurking in our political and socioeconomic systems. I would say that the pandemic has revealed just how deep down our disconnection with one another goes. And now we are left wondering what to do with the mess underneath, or if anything can be done. But I have good news for you. The season of Lent is designed to help us acknowledge with honesty and humility and perhaps some grief, whatever it is that needs to be uncovered and addressed in our own lives. In this 40-day season between Ash Wednesday and Easter, we are invited to recognize the frailty of our own humanity and our dependence on God. In this faith community, some of us are choosing to focus on that truth by placing a small rock in the bottom of one of our shoes. If you were not here last week or did not pick up a rock for whatever reason or if you lost yours, you can pick up another rock today. And if you're worshiping online, you can always stop by the church to pick up a rock or choose a rock that will work from your own house. And yes, I realize that the practice of wearing a rock in your shoe is strange and I cannot make you do it, but I really do encourage you to give it a try if your health will permit your doing so. The rock points to our current worship series, Rocky Ground, Walking Rugged Terrain with Jesus. We've located this series in a conversation between Jesus and his friends in the upper room. After the Passover meal, but before his arrest, as the story is told in chapters 14 through 17 in the Gospel of John. Last week, we talked about how to cultivate peace in the midst of turmoil with the help of the Holy Spirit in a focus on chapter 14. And that brings us today to chapter 15 and Jesus' description of the vine and the vine grower. What he's talking about here is connection and disconnection, though he uses the term abide. One of the things that we really need to remember here is that the disciples had already begun to scatter. Judas was gone. He's already left the table, and Jesus knows that the others will desert him as well. This is really remarkable, and I do not want you to miss it. Knowing that his friends are going to abandon him as he faces false allegations and a brutal death, and knowing what that will mean for him personally, Jesus takes the opportunity to talk to his friends about the power of staying connected and what that means not for him, but for them, for their own sake, for the sake of the gospel and the whole world. 
So let's think about this for a minute. Instead of acting frustrated or defensive, instead of begging them to stay or walking away from them in anger, Jesus himself remains at the table with those whom he loves dearly. People he knows will hurt him out of their own pain, and he talks to them about the vital importance of staying connected. I am the vine, he says to them, and you are the branches. Abide in me. Once again, Jesus is speaking their language. His followers living in the Mediterranean would have known something about vines. Grapes and wine were staples at their table. Vineyards graced their countryside. It would not have been difficult for them at all to visualize row after row of grapevines as an attentive vine grower walked along, tending to his plants, cultivating them so that they would grow good fruit. And as he calls such an image to mind, Jesus looks at his friends with cups of wine still in front of them and compares himself to the vine and his friends to the branches. He describes God Almighty as the vine grower, the pruner of the grapevines. Pruning is necessary, Jesus says, because branches can't bear good fruit if they don't stay connected to the vine. If the branches begin to pull away from the vine, they dry up. They produce withered or rotten fruit, if anything at all. So to ensure that the healthy branches can stay connected to the vine and produce good fruit, the vine grower must cut away the dying branches. Now this is where we often miss the point in this passage and we start condemning people to hell, literally. We start talking about God's judgment and the eternal damnation of those who do not profess Jesus. But what Jesus is talking about here is relationship. That's the fruit that he is describing. He's saying that followers who stay connected with him through prayer and through practice will grow into healthy human beings who know how to stay connected with one another in healthy ways. And that kind of growth requires our own intention and also the power of God at work in our lives. Jesus has talked about the power as the work of the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, the one sent to continue to guide the disciples to grow in what they have learned from Jesus. That growth is intended to produce fruit. The Apostle Paul describes the fruit in his letter to the Galatians as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I'm sure you could not help but hear that love rests at the top of that list, and to love is to will the good of another. That's how St. Thomas Aquinas talked about it, and it fits with how Jesus talks about love in this passage. If you keep my commandments, he says, you will abide in my love. Remember, to abide means to remain, to stay connected, to stay at the table. 
And Jesus is telling us that the way to do that is to keep his commandments. You will recall from his earlier messages that he defines the greatest commandment in two parts. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Love neighbor. Love yourself. What this tells us is that we cannot really stay closely connected to Jesus without staying closely connected to one another. Grapes grow in bunches, after all. And I'm not trying to be cute here. This is the gospel truth. We can't grow to be healthy followers of Jesus all by ourselves. We have to stay connected with each other. And the really good news is that if we find ourselves disconnected, the Spirit of God has the power to reconnect us so that we can continue to grow. That power is harnessed through reconciliation. I know some of you are getting tired of hearing me say this word, but it is important countercultural work that will never ever truly be done, so I'm going to keep saying it. And because we've been so busy in the church and in the world, burning our own relationships to the ground that there's nothing really left for the vine grower to prune. We've taken care of that on our own, to our own detriment. I really hope you're following me here because this message is important. We must be willing to reconcile our relationships if we want our friendships and our families and our community to be healthy. But it's not all reactionary work. My great hope for Morningstar is that we could become a place where the work of reconciliation is actually needed less often because we've created a culture in which we talked to each other, not about each other, in which we give each other the benefit of the doubt and we assume positive intent, in which we offer grace and forgiveness in the little things so that they don't become big things, in which we love our enemies when reconciliation just doesn't seem possible yet. I truly believe, beloved, with all of my heart that if we live in this way, if we abide in the ways of Jesus, we could actually create a culture where reconciliation is needed less often. And that's when our vision of radical inclusion could actually be realized. All of that work begins with a willingness to look under the surface, to look under the surface at what needs to be uncovered, to be revealed, and to be healed. Because ultimately, Lent is not just about grief. Remember, it's also about hope the color purple. Our hope is in the power of the Holy Spirit to help us stay connected in times of great disconnection so that the deep-seated joy of Jesus continues to grow in us like irises planted long ago, blooming year after year in rugged terrain. That was the hope of Jesus after all. That's why he bothered to have this conversation with his friends in the first place, so that their joy and our joy 
would be complete, meaning it would transcend our circumstances because we know that we are not alone. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the gift of your joy, a deep-seated joy that transcends our circumstances. We thank you for the opportunity, the invitation we have to stay connected, to abide in Jesus by loving you and loving each other and thereby loving ourselves. In those moments when we feel that disconnection is just the way that it has to be, remind us that your power is stronger and that you can grow in us a willingness to reach out to one another and to bear good fruit in our relationships. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and peace.